Thanks for checking in on this podcast. You are about to hear an inspirational teaching from Caris Ministries. If God has used this ministry to bless you in any way, please take a moment and write to us at amenatcaris.org. We are always inspired and blessed to hear how God is blessing people all over the world through what he is doing here at Caris. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at caris.org so we can continue making podcasts such as this available free of charge. Today's word is a scary word. I stand the danger of losing some friends. I stand the danger of having making enemies. I stand the danger of because the word I'm about to preach, it's not it's not a word that is preached anymore. You don't preach something like this. You don't preach it. This one is what John the Baptist was preaching. In this modern day, you don't preach a message like this. And let alone in London. And in a church filled with very, you know, energetic young people and people who have all kinds of things going on in their lives but they are trying to push towards God. Why do you have to preach such a message? Why? My only encouragement for preaching this message is two. Number one is, I'll show you a scripture for that, okay? Number one is Acts chapter 26 verse 19. Please, let's read it. Listen, I cannot be disobedient to the heavenly vision. (laughs) I cannot be disobedient to the heavenly vision. The second reason why I have to preach this message is in Acts chapter um, 20, verse 26. Let's see if I got it right. Acts 20, 26. Yes, let's read it. Now, Paul said he is. I also have to be. So I have to find out what he did, for which reason he said he was innocent of people's blood. Preaching can make you innocent of people's blood. Not preaching certain things can make you guilty of people's blood because you should have told them they wouldn't have been victims. But because you didn't tell them in Ezekiel, he said, I will require the blood of you. Look at the next verse, verse 27. Verse 27, why? For because I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel. Say the whole. Say the whole. Because God is arising to vindicate you. God is arising to vindicate you. God is arising to defend you. That's the prayer we prayed. God is delivering you from the problem, from that trouble. That's the... I showed you Mordecai. I showed you Haman. Is it not the work of God? It is. But why would I only show you one part of God's work and leave the other part of God's work? I have to declare to you the whole counsel. The gospel must be a holistic gospel. So this is my case. Two main reasons. I can't be disobedient. I can't be disobedient to the heavenly vision. And two, I really don't want to have the blood of people's life, people's blood on my hands. So can I preach now? Guess what the title is supposed to be? What's wrong with 
fornication. Will you help me ask somebody, what's, what's wrong with fornication? I know, some people cannot ask. Yeah. Anyone who can't ask you, who cannot ask you that question, the person believes that fornication is good. Ask somebody, look at the eyes. Ask the person, but what's wrong with fornication? In this generation, if you want to grow your church, don't talk about these things. But it has always been like that from the days of Jesus. If you want to spark a revival, if revival must come, these things must be exposed. So that the hearts of men can be free to pursue God in purity. So it's not for you. It is for this generation. What's wrong with fornication? What's why should he be asked that question? Because it presupposes that fornication is wrong. So that means that we are coming from a, 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 a premise which has taken, a, a, which is biased. Because to be objective, let's handle it on the plain ground. Let's just examine. Then we conclude that it's wrong. But then if you say what's wrong, lawyer, am I right? If you say what's wrong with fornication, you first of all assume fornication is wrong. That's why you have to now defend why it's wrong. But I can't preach a message and say that fornication is good. That's also bad. Or just fornication. Let's talk about fornication. That's interesting, isn't it? What's wrong with fornication? Because the thing is so sweet. And how many of you here married but had a girlfriend or a boyfriend before your marriage? You, you had relationships other relations before your marriage. All right. Now, if you have been married for, if you have been married for more than, if you have been married for more than two years, three years, and five years, then you find out that the enjoyment in the marriage is not the same as the one before. Because it looks like fornication is sweeter than the thing in the marriage. Because some of the ladies, the, the, the things you did for your former boyfriend, as Bishop Dad put it, you were willing to do anything. And you did it pleasurably. But now, when you got married, your husband said, oh, oh what is it, what is it? Finish speaking. Finish, you see? So, married wives, be warned. Remember how much you did for your former boyfriends. Or even before he married you, the things you did for him. Now that he has actually honored you and married you, five years later, you have given him dry. Lying, like, lying down like a wood, like a wood. Like a dead body, cadaver. It is wrong. It is wrong. It is wrong. Especially the Christian brothers. Because we also have some decent fantasies. I mean, what? You, would you get your, your wife treating you like someone you have not married, you are paying for service, and the way they treat you? The way they will treat you? That's how I believe the wife should treat the husband. 
Give him every form of decent presentation. Find out what he likes most. Which position is best for him. Find out and give it to him willingly and happily. It is your job. Sister, it is your job to ask today, which one would you prefer? Which side would you prefer? Anytime you see a husband is not smiling, it's not happy. It's because of the wife's non-compliance. No, I know there may be other factors. Please, I know there may be other factors. Other factors, okay? But a woman denied of sex from the husband is not as dangerous as a man denied. Or a man denied of sex cannot think right. A husband, for that matter, needs sex to function emotionally well. A woman, a woman needs emotional well-being to function well sexually. A man needs sex to function well emotionally. So the woman said, treat me this way so you can get this. The man said, just give it to me and I will treat it to our fight with treat. Why are you preaching this on a Sunday morning? Because of your sexual desires. You, as soon as you get born again, God doesn't switch off your sex desires. You are pursuing revival, but you get stared at. And after a heated fasting period, sometimes you are doubting even if you are born again because the way your body is reacting, you have become, can you imagine after seven days of fasting, 13 days of fasting, three days of fasting, 21 days of fasting, two days after the 21 days of fasting, you become so horny. And you don't understand why. How many of you understand what I'm talking about? So, back to fornication. Many, many people don't really regret their fornication days so long as the enjoyment is concerned. Because they got, it flowed more than marriage. For those who never knew anything before marriage, it's a different matter. So it's necessary to ask somebody too. If you are going to marry, how many people have you fornicated with? This is necessary. You have to know. Brother, you have to, sister, you have to know. As Bishop Dark said, if you are a woman, man, and you sleep with somebody, it's, you are like an apple. When you sleep with somebody, it's like a bite of the apple. Anytime you sleep, there's another bite. So some of you, by the time, <laughs> the, all the red bit is gone. And usually, it tends to affect your future prospects, especially if you are not married and you're having fornication. When you're married, when you get married and you are growing, you begin to lose a lot of interest because you attribute it to youthfulness. Whilst a man's desire grows with age. A woman's, a woman's desire doesn't really grow with age. It grows with certain systems around her. So if she feels threatened, she feels things that oh, the children are, are not eating and stuff like the domestic chores and things like that, 
it makes her desire keep growing. So that's why when women are married, the more the children increase, the more the desire goes down. So those of you who are planning on raising the generation, you can never eat your cake and have it. But unfortunately, as men grow, their definition of sexual sex changes. When you are a young person, it's always just a nice face, nice person. When you are growing, the value of a woman changes from how she looks into what she means to you, how she treats you, how she respects you, how she relates to you. So you get, when men are growing, they get attracted to women based on how they relate to them. Those who like insulting your husband, you are losing him. You are just losing him. The easiest way to lose a man is not how much you are put on weight. The easiest way to lose a man is how much you are dishonoring him as a wife. Because he's so much attached to a man's fundamental core that they, a man as he grows, purpose grows. Becomes more, he's thinking about achievement in life. And the more he's thinking about achievement in life, is then the creation purpose kicks in. I'll make a help a woman. I'll make suitable for him, a help I meet for him. So the down he's looking for a woman who is going to help him. That's why why men with children tend to easily come, they can easily be vulnerable to their work colleagues who are their subordinates but do everything for them. And so 10 p.m. he's still in the office, but the secretaries are running around. And so he does not have to think evil. They begin to become so important to him, even though he doesn't want them for anything. But that is where the trouble starts. There are women here, and if you don't change your approach, you will lose your husband like your mother lost your father. It's not a case. If you are a man, there are some fundamental things about men that you pick from your father, even though you may look like your mother. There are some things that you are very much like your father when it comes to, if you're a woman, there are some fundamental things about womanhood which you pick from your mother. The fact that she's your mother, whether she raised you or not, you pick something from it. It's inside you. So a, 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 um, a fruit doesn't fall too far from the tree. So you are not very different from your people. That is why you don't marry a person and expect to be able to detach them from their family because they are not very different from their family. You may, ha- you may end up making them fall out with their family members, but guess what? It's just a, re- a reflection of the family you have got. With time, with time, he will, she or he will go back and become tight with them and you will be the outsider because you are not very different from your family. Wow, isn't it interesting? That's why you don't marry a person because of their looks. That's very strange. No wise, very, very, very shallow thinking. Like the way our generation is making everything to be about romance. Oh, the lady looks hot. That's why she will burn your future. She will burn your future. But everything is about romance. Everything about relationships is about romance. That's why if we can marginalize marriage, we will get away with a lot of things, but the future will bite us. That's why marriage is being so marginalized and trivialized. And for many people, it's like less nonsense out of it. The reason why you like to marry, but you want a woman in your life, is because you are stupidly thinking just about romance and yourself. You are just lustful and irresponsible. Because marriage is a sign of risk. You are taking on a major responsibility. Why would you want a woman without making a commitment to her future? One day, if she said that she's got, uh, the she's got cancer, her breast, two breasts are gone, and she grows, that you have to leave her. You leave her. 
Oh, I will never leave. Yeah, so why don't you actually commit and say that me, I will be there till your very last breath. That's what marriage is about. That's what marriage is about. Marriage is not about papers. Some document. No, it's not about uh, 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 legal convenience. It's not about next of kings. Because people who are not married also have nest of kings. So to water it down, okay, let's try and trivialize it. Anything married people can get, let's see how other people too can get it. So then whether you marry or don't marry, there's no, there's no incentive for marrying anyway. This generation is in trouble. It's not actually this generation. There's the subsequent ones. We are destroying every pillar. The foundations generations stand on are being eroded. And Satan is behind it. It's not politicians. It's not certain individuals. It's Satan. That's why we, the church, we know where the problem is coming from. So marriage is, a, is such a blessing. It's, it's such a blessing. And we have to understand that in the context of sex, Bible talks, there's a lot I've got to say about um, sex outside of marriage. You, sometimes you may think that it's all just pleasure. Those of you who are men here, and you are like me, had it not been for speed limits and common sense, the way I'll be speeding. It's fun, especially if you have children too, who don't understand. They say, Daddy, more, Daddy, more, Daddy, ah! It's fun, it's fun. Some of you, if you had your way, you, even me, I'm really not into switch things. But one or two times, my wife introduced me to hugging that. I, I did not before age and health, I will eat it a lot. It's sweet, but you can't, some of, you, you know, our children, they don't like veg, they don't like fruits, but listen, you, they have to, you have to train them to eat it, because life is not about sweet things. So if you think fornication is sweet, <laughs> it's sweet. <laughs> the point I'm trying to make is, it, it, it can give you temporal pleasure. But has it got dangerous side effects? Because the other time, now I've cut down a lot. I, thought, I hardly even take milk. Most people, when you add tea, they say, oh, no milk. No milk. You may think they are just being pushed. No! <laughs> Afterwards, the things that will happen to... So now, I'm cutting. There, there are times we go to... Um, um, St. Matthews, we are praying. And I've, I've eaten something. And I'm saying, receive it. And I realize that, no, the thing is not helping me now. So I have to update what I eat, even though I like it. So why don't you update what you take, even though you like it? It has some dire consequences. And I will, be, I will have your blood on my hands if I don't draw your attention to the biblical warnings and the biblical advice and biblical Bible, God's instructions and directives about some of the things that we are just prone to just be enjoying. There are women here who have been hurt. You are so hurt. Thank God you are in church and you are recovering. What hurts you? Relationship. Relationship. There are mothers here who the last thing you want to see in life is that, that, that your, your son's father. Or your, in fact, when you hear that he has been involved in an accident, two trailers have crashed his car, you'll be very happy. When we talk about forgiveness, most people are having struggles with forgiveness. Most of the struggles with forgiveness, inability to forgive, 
is either with parenting, your father. First of all, usually it's the father before mother. Father or your ex. Most of the pain that you can't let go is your ex. What they did to you or what you did for them and they hurt you. And most, most of the time, you don't get that hurt if there has not been sexual involvement, especially for the woman. Women are glorious vessels made to receive love. But most of us have just been receiving lust. But when lust enters your system, it poisons your entire system. Oh, I know. You see, it's not bad. I didn't know you were coming. So don't think it's because of you. God is just trying to tell you something. Last night where you were was wrong. But you know what? Let's listen and see where we won't be again and move from today. At Reginald's wedding, I was influenced or I was under the inspiration to preach a message which I struggled to accept to preach, but I ended up preaching it. And some of my opening texts is 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1 says that, Now concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife, and let every woman have her own husband. To avoid fornication, you need to have your own wife or your own husband. In the context of relationships, sexual relationships, because it says that it is good, verse 1, it is good that a man, uh, it is good that a man does not touch a woman. Now, this one touch a woman, he's not talking about touch, shake, or no. Let's see how the um, Message Bible puts it. Message Bible, maybe, to put it in there. Now, um, it is good thing that a man have, is it, sorry, is it a good thing to have sexual relations? Okay, that's what the question was. Now go to the next verse. Let's see what it says in the next verse. Verse 2. Certainly, but only within a certain context. It's good for a man to have a wife and for a woman to have a husband. Sexual drives are strong, but marriage is strong enough <laughs> to provide for a balanced and a fulfilling sexual life in a world of sexual disorder. Please, I need, I need you to do me a favor. I do not have a clue what I'm preaching really gets to you. So, so please just, just laugh with everybody. Just laugh with everybody. <laughs> Is this not nice? It says sexual drives are strong. Do I have a witness here? You are behaving like you don't know what I'm talking about. Some of you, when you are sexually aroused, you can't have a decent sleep. Because of libido. No, no, you haven't done anything wrong, go. It's just natural. That's the fact hypocrites don't want to admit. I'm telling you, it's a fact. How do you think I have two children? You think we were just drinking tea or something? Please, don't, don't confuse spirituality with the fact that you don't have a sexual desire. It doesn't matter how spiritual you are, you still have to eat food. You have to eat. These drives are biological. That's why the world is now don't want to have anything to do with the established church because of the hypocrisy on sexuality. Because you make people feel like, so I'm not supposed to have a sexual desire. But I can't identify with this kind of message because it doesn't matter what you do as long as you are a human being. Eh? Am I speaking the truth at all? You see some of the young, the gentlemen here, the way they pray. 
See, many people who are not born again, or they, they see you are a Christian, sister, Christian, brother, they think, as for you, are not like them. You are, no, you are like them, but God's grace and the standards, the standards and the principle is keeping you safe. That's why you, every now and then you hear that a Christian sister has gotten pregnant out of wedlock, a Christian brother. She used to be very powerful Christian. How, what happened? See, she still loves God, but she, she underestimated the desires, thinking that her intentions are good enough to contain the desire. You can have good intentions, but by the time you could say Jack, your sexual drive has overruled your intentions. Am I talking to somebody at all? Your sexual drive can overrule your intentions. So when you hear that, they said, oh, that person, that Christian brother, that prayer warrior, that pastor has ended up in fornica fornication. Don't think that he's not a genuine person. He's always been a genuine person, but didn't put the systems in place to protect himself from the desires being fulfilled. Because desires are there. But if you don't put the systems in place, by the time you realize, you have gotten to a state where your internal resistance has been dismantled. You are telling somebody's story. <laughs> you remember when you decided that now I'm going to really take God serious? You thought some things would never happen again. You knew it. You meant it. So what happened? What happened? There are people here who got born again and went back to their boyfriends and ended up getting pregnant. Went back to you, and it's, it's, it's interesting, not even once. You, it was repeated. And when you finish, you cry and repent, and then you repeat. <laughs> Hallelujah. So it says that to avoid fornication, verse 2 of 1 Corinthians chapter 7, to avoid fornication, nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, let every, each man, go to, uh, give me the King James, give me the King James. To avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife. What do you think? So, wives, you see? One of the reasons why you are a wife is to produce, uh, to provide, supply ample, unrestricted sex. Unlimited. 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 You like the unlimited broadband? Unlimited. And husband is the same. A husband who denies the wife sex is breaking scriptural principle. Because it says to avoid fornication. One of the reasons for a wife is to avoid fornication. One of the reasons for a husband is to avoid fornication. So when there's a husband, there shouldn't be fornication. If there is maybe the husband, you have to be careful. Something went wrong. Because you know, you, apart from the um, stars who act, this why I've not done a research on it. But I, I believe, just like food and drink, you can never have 
a certain number of sex in a day. If husband, your wife has a need, and you are quick to meet the need, even let's say four times a day, no, no, just extreme, okay, which I know is rare, but I've not done a research on that, so allow me. Let's say four times a day. What other energy is he going to, or is she going to get to go and attend to another person? Because if you have unlimited data, you would not need... You, need, you don't need to call for top up. <laughs> can, you, can you do me a favor? Can you look into somebody's eyes and tell the person, avoid fornication? Whether the person is married or not, in fact, if he's married, that's even stronger. Look into that woman's eyes, look into that man's eyes. And tell him, tell her, avoid fornication. <coughs> Excuse me. Okay. I've said a bit about fornication, but we have not defined fornication. We haven't defined fornication. The Greek word for fornication is uh, ponea. Ponea. What does it sound like? Pornia. That's the Greek word for fornication. Okay. So pornia. Now, what is pornia? Sexual relationships outside of marriage with any creature. So, with a, person, a woman you are not married to, with a man you are not married to, with uh, an animal with a child, with anything, is, is fornication. Because many people think it's just um, unmarried people, but it's sexual relationships outside of marriage. To bring sexual pleasure with another creature. That's fornication. Okay, but he said avoid fornication. But decent people will only do it with other human beings. Okay, so let's, let's stay in the area areas of decency because the other ones are vile. Like children and dogs and stuff. That, that, is, that is vile. That's vile. So let's even stay because some of you have had several fornications. It didn't affect you. Nothing bothered you. You actually are planning on subsequent ones. Because... No, I'm telling you, one day I was teaching Bible studies in, in um, Holland Street, Kensington. Bible study I do. And I, I, never, I need you not to talk about these things. I just was teaching on Ephesians. And one day, you know, when you're teaching the Bible, one day something will come. So fornication came in, and then uh, one lady said, well, what is fornication? What's wrong with fornication? What is and everybody was, wow. Like, where planets do you come from? He said, I don't see anything wrong. Two consenting adults, two consenting adults coming together in sexual intercourse. What's wrong with that? I mean, she is not wrong. 
She is not. No, let me say. Let me say. Let me not say you wrong. She, she, she. Religion will make you feel like you are evil for even questioning. Because rationally speaking, he likes me. I like her. What, 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 what's wrong? And she like some of the. In fact, one of our sisters I spoke to her when she was in uni. Her flat, not flatmate, but I think um, on the same next room neighbor, a gentleman who was um, not in a relationship, whether in a relationship, and she was not, they were not in a relationship, and they were sexual partners. Anytime, it was unlimited. Anytime she was, anytime she was, oh yes, any, now that lady is married, we will see later. Anytime she was, she's, she was needing it, she would just go, she said she would go, and the guy would give it to her. Anytime, he's, he says sometimes they do it several times a day. And when they finished uni, everyone went their way. Now, now it's normal with a lot of people you know. Wow. It's not because they are evil, but they are just living because you need a sexual release. And there's an available vessel. What's wrong? It's usually when this, uh, this is the description, when it comes into religious settings, they're like, ah, hey, it's a taboo. So people just don't want all these things. So they can just live a normal life. <laughs> That's why people don't want. But the, the message, the core of the message, which is likely I'll continue next week, is isn't it just a religious thing? Or it has an impact, other implications on you. So, aside, I can't, I can't, I don't remember the day. I don't know the day I will say, uh, let's put the Bible aside because you'll be stupid. But aside dictates of scripture, or dictates of godliness, which even everything safe is godliness, you know what? But aside, okay, religious conscience. If you are if you are not interested in fulfilling any religious demands, aside that, is there any implication? Is there any impact, negative impact on your life so long as fornication is concerned? So then, if you know that this has consequences, even outside of God then it helps you to align yourself. It's like drinking Coke every day, two, two liters every day, drinking two. Is it not sweet? It's nice. But is there any impact on you? If, if you are told it has an impact, then at least you begin to know how to regulate it. So, in the same way, when it comes to fornication, is it only scripture? Yes, there are other spiritual, serious spiritual consequences, but there are other physical consequences as well. And what are the consequences? What's wrong with fornication? Fornication must be avoided. There was a time in Numbers chapter 23 when a professional cursing prophet was his services were employed by a very senior statesman. He was hired to curse Israel. But when he curses them, the thing turns into a blessing. And Numbers chapter 23, let's look at from verse 20, 21, from verse 21. Let's go to 20. Let's go to 20. Behold, I have received a commandment to bless he has blessed and I cannot reverse it. When he blesses, the, he curses the people, God makes it a blessing. And then so the king said, stop it, stop it, stop it. He said, no, God has blessed, I can't reverse it. 
Go to the next verse. He has not observed iniquity in Jacob. That's God hasn't observed, nor has he seen wickedness in Israel. The Lord his God is with him, and the shout of the king is amongst them. Go to the next verse. Talking about, it says that um, God brings them out of Egypt. He has, he has strength like a wild ox. Verse 23, for there is no sorcery against Jacob, nor any divination against Israel. It now must be said of Jacob and Israel, oh, what God has done. So it doesn't matter how you enchant, you curse them, sorcery, divination, spiritual thing, it won't work. It won't work. Israel, you can't do anything about them. So, um, Balaam, um, yeah, Balak told Balaam that I know what to do. You are trying to curse them and the people cannot be cursed. Let's get them to commit whoredom. Whoredom, adultery, fornication. If they commit it, they become vulnerable. Look at Revelation chapter 2. Chapter two. Revelation chapter 2, verse number 14. Revelation, let's all read it from the screen. Let's go. Because you have there those who, the doctrine of Balaam. Who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat the things sacrificed to Adam and to commit? So Balaam, 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 the taught the false prophet taught the king that this one we should, if you want these people to be victims, get them to eat food committed to idols, dedicated to idols, idolatry. Let idolatry enter them; they will become automatically vulnerable, and let fornication go. If they can commit sexual sins, we will get them. Sexual sins can make you vulnerable. In spiritual terms, sexual things is, is the sexual sin and idolatry, they go together. Sexual sins and idolatry go together. Idol worship. Now, if you say me, I don't worship idols. I don't worship idols. I don't. As long as sexual things, sins come in, other things other, apart from God will take precedence in your life. They go together. Sexual sin is an attack against your person. Idolatry is an attack against the person of God amongst us. Idolatry. If any group of people will be vulnerable, will become victimized in life. It must start from idolatry and sexual sins. That is why give me a church that has got sexual sin going on. That church will become vulnerable to any kind of things, attacks, sicknesses, contentions, and the lack of the move of God. This modern day church, where did we get the fact that you can still be living anyhow, sleeping anywhere, anyhow, and still procure the blessing of God? Where did this come from? Under the auspices or under the guise of grace? You end up eating grass. You can say grace. So, well, all right. You see, we have, we, we have confused the two. Um, 
I was reading my Bible a few days ago about how the reason why, yeah, Galatians, I remember, Galatians chapter 4, the reason why the law was given, okay, the reason why the law was given. Galatians chapter 4, reading from verse 17, yeah, I've gone off, I'm going digressing, but this is necessary. It says that Galatians chapter, I'm sorry, chapter 3, I'm sorry, chapter 3, please forgive me. And this I say, that the law, which was 430 years later, cannot annul the covenant which was, uh, that was confirmed before by God in Christ, that it should make the promise of God, a uh, promise of no effect. Now, God made the promise to Abraham. And then 400 years later, the law was given. Okay. And now the point here is that the law came after, so several years after the promise. So you can't say now, suddenly, the law takes precedence over the promise. That means that the promise was there. It didn't need the law. So then why was the law given? Go to the next verse. Look at the next verse. For if the inheritance is of the law, it is no longer of promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. Look at the next verse. Verse 19 is the point. What purpose then does the law serve? Why the law then? It was added because of what? I can't hear you. Because of what? Till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. The promise was made to Abraham and to seed. But before the seed came, God had to bring in the promise, uh, the law, because of the transgressions of the people. And so the law was given to keep the people in check until the seed comes. So when the seed came, automatically it means that the law must be redrawn. It's there. It's, if it says that, until the seed should come. So Paul's point with the Galatians, why are you now in Christ and you are still, you want to live by ten commandments? That's the grace message. So, um, that's the, the grace message points to the fact that you are not under law. Do, don't do, do, don't do. That's all. But when you are in Christ, your lifestyle and what you do is way above law. In fact, the scriptures say in Galatians chapter 5, it says, against which there's, verse 23 or so, it says, against which there's no law. Galatians 5.23, against such, against such, there is no law. When you are living by the fruit of the Spirit, there's no law that can even be against you. Because you are far higher than the fruit of the, 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 the law. Are you getting what I'm saying? Wow. So now, why have we allowed under the auspices or in under the guise of grace allowed all kinds of things to, to slip into the church? Slip into the church and it's like, okay. Most of the charismatic churches you can go because we, pastors of charismatic churches are desperate for church growth and for prosperity of the people and the church. So much so that other things really don't matter. Grace will come. I said, don't let us confuse sin. Okay? Sin. Uh, the forgiveness of sin. Let's let us confuse it with the impact of sin. You do whatever, you'll be forgiven. Because Christ died. His blood is potent enough to take off any kind of sins once repented of and for, forsaken. So when you sin, you'll be forgiven. But... Is it someone who has 
points on your license. It's not eternal. It's a thing for three years. Afterwards, you find you start driving. You start driving normally. So once, you see, once your, your, your points are cleared, you seem to be okay. It's not the same with sin. Sin, once you are forgiven, it's even you are far better okay than points. But the fact is that certain sins creep into your personhood and damage something about your personhood to the extent that it's like a broken uh, bone. It can be healed, but it's never the same. You are healed, you're able to jump, but it's never the same. There's a metal in your leg, it's never the same. So you will be forgiven, you want to be a bishop, you want to be a pastor, you want to do the work of God, you, 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 you will be forgiven after you have repented and you have asked God for forgiveness. Right. And he will use you for his work. But even that, you may be capped. Or if you are not capped, you have opened yourself to certain vulnerabilities. You may end up struggling with that even as you still rise in God and do it. You're struggling every now and then. Because there are some people here, if you show them certain images, they don't attract them. Because they have never given their attention to it. Now, an ex-porn brother, you were born again and you entered into porn. After you have stopped it because your computer was seized or you got into trouble, you know, it, those are the things that make people actually stop immediately when trouble comes, but not the warning from God. So after all that, you stop. And now you are serious pursuing God. There are times in your weakness, you, you just miss those ones. So just like a woman or a man who has had different types of partners before you got married, you know it can affect your marriage. Your fulfillment in your marital bed will be, can be compromised because it doesn't matter how good your wife or your husband is. Every now and then, you still have memories of Kwamina. <laughs> you still have, you still have memories of Daisy, Cassandra, Chikwana. Is it not interesting? I'm going to one thing and I'm moving. Is it not interesting how some things tend to stay on our minds for so long? You can't ignore your sexual partners. You remember them. Some are still counting. You remember them. 20 years later, you remember, you remember that. You remember him. You remember him. You remember? And there are some people, when you see them, it brings some memories. Why? Because it enters past just the surface. It enters into your person. It's a serious thing that, that society is trying to trivialize. It's destroying humanity. The first thing that make God come down and judge human beings after creation was sexual misbehavior. 
First thing. And the second thing that made him come and judge again. He came to judge after he called Abraham was Sodom. Sodom, is, you remember what Jesus said? Watch this. He says that in the days of Noah, it should, it should be like in the days of Noah. People were no, buying and selling, marrying and being given to marry. Then afterwards, he said in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, he never mentioned marriage. Because at that time, marriage has been wiped out. He only said, remember Lot's wife. So by Sodom and Gomorrah time, they have, they have destroyed the institution of marriage. And once you destroy the institution of marriage, you, you live in fornication. And when you live in fornication, you attract spiritual attacks automatically. Whether you are born again or you are not born again, spiritual attacks, you attract them. You attract it. I'm going to show. I've actually gone into the... In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18, that's a scripture we'll be using quite a lot. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin. Give me King James. Please. Flee fornication. Do what? Flee. I can't hear you. Flee. Shout it. Flee. Look at the person sitting near you and tell the person, flee fornication. Flee. Flee. Don't take me for an enemy. I'm not against you. If you go and fornicate, come. I'll help you. I'll pray with you and believe God that you can go for it. Okay? But I'm just telling you the impact on you. Spiritually, you, you open a can of worms. And uh, every time you do it, you open another chapter of worms. And you endorse it into your life. Every time. Prove it. You even look at your life. Since you started fornicating, has your life been the same? Has your life been the same? Do you used to smoke? Did you used to get drunk? Until that lady got into your life. Wow. And you slept with her, and suddenly you became, a, you started changing figures at work. You can't stop. It was never, so that's why your family is surprised. That where did you learn this from? The woman brought it. The fornication. The man brought it. You, you introduce all kinds of things into your soul, and your spirit, and your body. Three, the, all the three aspects of your, of your existence. When you fornicate, you open up that some things to come. Let me, may I, because of my time, let me mention, let me talk, a le, let me say something a little bit about pornography. What is wrong with some? Oh, did I hear saying that pornography has, was even in the Bible? Because David, David was watching somebody bathing. The person was not endorsing it. The person was not endorsing it, but I said David was watching. And uh, who was it? Yeah, who was it who was talking? Ah, uh, okay. And Absalom, Absalom slept with his father's wives in the presence of people. Now, that one in theological setting, it may not necessarily be raw publicly, but it could be that they, they normally have a way they do things. And so you'll be noticing that things are going on behind the scenes. Before their eyes, they will see it. But people have always done, um, like David saw, listen to this. Listen to this very carefully. David, a well-meaning man, didn't go to battle. He was standing on the, at the top of his roof and watch, walk, walking around. And then he saw something. He said, what is that? You know what he saw? He saw a young, a woman bathing. Then he left and went. He left and went and came back. Hmm. 
Guards, go, 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 go. Leave me alone, I'm fine. Go. Then he went and got a chair. Now tell me, you genuine people, do you think he'll be okay? He'll be okay. He's now put himself into trouble. The woman is somewhere. He's also somewhere. But he won't be okay. What's, but what's wrong with that? It's, it's wrong. You can't be doing that. You can't be spying on someone who is bathing. But it's a human being. Oh, what's wrong? No, no, but this is different. You are feeding on the person. It's wrong. Nakedness of people. It is not right for us to watch the nakedness of people. It's ungodly. Pastor, what if I'm a doctor? You are talking about medical field and you are helping them. It's not to fulfill, it's, it's not to fulfill your desires. Not to gratify something inside you. How many? How many of you will set your eyes watching his hairless head? You'll be watching it. For what are you going to get from it? What are you going But if it was cleavage. Hmm. He may not know, but you will be enjoying. You are feeding on it. So don't tell me that, oh, there's nothing wrong. When a doctor is working, he's not feeding on And any doctor that feeds on it ends up into trouble. Yes. They always end up into trouble because you're you are supposed to be professional. You're not supposed to be, if you are doing a breast scan, what has that got to do with you feeding on that? So if there's nothing wrong, why as charges, uh, uh, court cases brought against medical practitioners who go beyond their limits? So don't bring that. We are being hypocritical. If you try and say, okay, but what is, is what people do is they try to blur the lines. But deep in your heart, you know something is wrong. Can you imagine? Can you imagine you are bathing your child and then you see someone is in his room and is spying? Would you take it for granted? You say, oh, it doesn't matter. It matters. It matters. If you didn't know, that's different. But if you find out, you may even, we can bring charges against the person. Because we are not meant to be watching the nakedness of others. From creation, we are not. When, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 21, the Bible says God himself, Genesis 3, 21, made skin and covered them. They took leaves, but God made skin to cover them. Genesis 3, covered them. God made coats of skins and clothed them. He covered them. But watch this. So Noah, in Genesis chapter 9, verse 21, Genesis chapter 9, verse 21, he got drunk and he was uncovered in his tent. In his tent was what saved him. Because it's wrong to be uncovered outside of your tent. Because most of us, the way we go to bed is not the way we come out. That's okay. That's okay. Right. Unless you, you are married. Now, see, so if you see the nakedness of someone you are not married to, you are also breaking the principle. It, it's actually not right. It's not right. So let me show you the, um, uh, what, what's wrong with pornography. What, what's, what's, what's the issue about pornography? I wrote a few things down this morning. Listen, now, number one, pornography degrades God's creation. You have degraded the creation of a human being into an object. 
for sexual pleasure and fantasy. Those of you who have never seen porn or don't do porn and anything, please, just you can learn from this so that you can teach somebody else. So number one, degraded God's creation. Number two, it's dishonor. Dishonor. Can you imagine you are entering a room and your mom is asleep? You entered a room and she was asleep. And she, you know a child, adult, conscience is not working. All right, conscience is not working. And you enter the room, your dad is asleep, your mom is asleep. You have to come out, no, no. And she's maybe uncovered. You have to go out. You have to go out. If she wakes up and sees you standing there, she this is dishonor. That's what Noah's sons did. The son did. He went and watched his father's nakedness and put it on uh, Facebook. <laughs> so that's how Doug put it. So I hear when the when the other brothers saw it, they went backwards and went and covered, went and covered him. When he woke up in the morning, he was wearing pajamas, which he didn't wear when he was going to bed. So he asked them, "Where did these pajamas come from?" He said, "Oh, did you know what happened when you were asleep, Dad?" Your, your sons had to go and get, fetch pajamas and put it on you. Because when you were asleep, your younger son came and was watching your nakedness. He, he put the camera there and he was doing Facebook Live. <laughs> That's deep. You know, I just got it, Pastor Charles. I just got it. Most of us would like to do Facebook, who Facebook negative things you know about your leader or your father or your mother. You hear something about somebody in authority and maybe a church leader and then you like to be one of the people who are putting it on Facebook. You saw their nakedness and you're putting it up. Public, uh, social media, putting it up. When those people speak from their pain and curse you, it will go right into your descendants. But why would they do But they are wrong. Don't talk about, Noah was wrong, but you didn't have to dishonor Noah. You see the whole thing? So, when you watch porn, you are first degrading uh, God's creation. Number two, you are dishonoring the people you are watching and dishonoring the sex you are watching. So if you are watching women, you are actually dishonoring women. If you are watching men, you are dishonoring. I was shocked. A church sister told me something. I, I was shocked. I said, hey, before the rubber started, you know, there are things, most of us are in church, but we just come and go. But we have the same lifetime out there. One church sister, very active church lady, one day she left the children for the husband, and she said she, her friend's party, so they all went, girls, they went to Soho. What did they do? Said they went to a place, and, and I was trying to find out what, I, I never knew their men go-go dancers, so... Yeah. And they'll come and be dancing. And I said, so do they come naked? So this one, he was wearing just a uh, sexy type of. And they were standing, they were sitting there. Women, they were watching. I was shocked. I was shocked. And it didn't take long. I found out that lady tried to make advances towards a former pastor. Hmm. People who, when you watch the nakedness of others, you dishonor the gender. 
So those of you men who watch the nakedness of men, you are dishonoring the man as a the gender, male gender. If you watch the nakedness of a woman, you are dishonoring because these, these things are on people's honor. The highest level of dishonor is nakedness. The highest level of dishonor is nakedness. That's why even on our TVs, it doesn't matter where, what has happened to them, they don't show their nakedness. They have to blur that bit out because it's not right. Number three, this is, is, this is now it's getting personal. When you watch pornography, you weaken your personal conscience. You are weakening your conscience. You, you are weakening it. So some things that was not acceptable suddenly becomes, start becoming acceptable for you. There are people here who are married or not married and your sexual desires are very, 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 very dehumanizing. Dehumanizing. Where did you get all that thing from? Wives. Any husband who is placing a sexual demand on you that makes you behave like a dog, don't give it to him. He's a perverted man from his days of old. He's perverted, but he doesn't know that it's wrong. He does not know it's wrong because his judgment of right and wrong when it comes to decency and sexual purity is messed, messed up. Why would, you, why, would you, why would you handcuff a woman to the bed and then take a whip and whip her and whip her and you tell me sexual pleasure is sexual perversion. Sexual perversion. Why, why would you bring another person, another person into your bed and the two of you are having the same goal at a woman? And you tell me it's okay. Some of you have been with boyfriends who wanted that? They wanted their friends, the two of them, to what? To, threesome, for them to share you. So that one is from uh, behind the other one. You know what I'm talking about. It's perversion. It's wickedness in satanic quarters. It's perversion. The church must know it's perversion. You are married to a man and all he wants from you is from behind. No, no, no. Not behind, but inner. Enos. He wants, that's all he says. That's what I get satisfaction. Enos. It's not, it's not meant for that. It's perversion because of pornography. And it starts with porn. Porn enters you and dismantles things inside you, weakens your conscience. So suddenly, we see, if, I, if this my spectacles is tainted red, everything will be red tinged. And I see green dresses, I'll think it's something like purple or something like that. When I see yellow, I'll think it's green. When I see white, I'll think it's red because of perversion. In the bed, in the marital bed, everything is allowed as long as it's decent. Now, boils down to what do you how do you define decency? It's based on your judgment. But some of the things that we think is decent is actually perverted. And it's actually demonic. It's open. That's why families are having all kinds of attacks. Pastor, I found out, I was saying the other time, but I didn't explain it very well. I find out that a lot of ills, ailments, sicknesses, weaknesses can be barred out if we stay safe. 
most of the things that we have been prone to is because of the doors we have opened. We have opened the doors and we think our doctors can handle it. No. In the first place, it's not nice to be sick. And there are some sicknesses they tell you you have got. They have to just manage it. They can't cure it. I'm not talking about STDs. I'm talking about things we do that open space. The spiritual world is real. If prayer can heal the sick, then there's a spiritual dimension to sickness. There's a spiritual dimension. So the things you do, there are things we do that can open up spiritual ailments that with time they mature and begin to manifest. Even though you have been born again and operating, some things have been planted in already. Because you should, you should have, at the age of 50, you should have still been healthy. How come at 50 you are so weak? You are so weak. You are becoming so weak. By 55 years, you are, you are sickly. Even though you are a Christian and you, are, you believe, you, you realize you have to always apply faith and fight for your health. Where did this come from? Because a door was opened years ago. Porn is dangerous. Even though it looks like pleasurable. If you are addicted to porn, you really, anything you have to do to fight, don't let the police do it. Don't let trouble do it. Some people have gone so far, their wives can't even help them. Their wives said, no, what are you doing? They said, what is it? Quite a few wives have reported their husbands to her. Listen, every, every marital unfaithfulness, when you investigate, there's some porn behind it. There's some porn behind it. Every marital unfaithfulness, there's porn. So you, who are entertaining that married man, Shame unto you in the first place. Enter, entertaining that married man because he's showing interest in you. Because you think his wife is not treating him well. You, with your dirty self, can treat him well. That's, you, you, that man, the reason why he's coming to you is because he has a weakness. Porn has already taken over and you are a, a, porn, a pornographic creature so long as he's concerned. In his heart, you are like a porn addict. You are like a porn star. Because the porn will weaken your conscience such that you treat people as you have seen them in your privacy. But you may not know consciously, but it's subconscious. Any man who has, is married and is looking for you as a woman as well, he's showing, flirting towards you, check, I'm, I'm telling you, porn. He's already open to porn. He's already open to porn. Either before the marriage or after them. If you are going to marry a person who is into porn, please think again. It's not dear to anybody. It's just some truth that we have to find out. Number four, pornography endorses sexual immorality. You are saying sexual immorality is okay, which is against what God has said. Number five, this is, pornography pollutes your spirit. I don't know how many of you, those of you who are honest, if anytime you, you know, even those of you who don't do porn, you, you were tempted to watch, you, you saw a porn, you know, something, and you watch it a little bit. Sometimes, what they call soft porn. They are not fully naked, they are, you know, and so there, are, there are people here who watch others, um, and then, and then they send a picture to you and you're watching Instagram and all those things. 
It's, what it does is that it pollutes your spirit. It pollutes your spirit, man. Those of you who have seen some of these things before, you watch a little bit. By the time you finish, you feel... There's something else. And it's not, something's not right inside you. Polluted your spirit. You just finished praying. Or you are going to pray and then you saw... It, it pollutes your spirit. Porn. Hardcore, normal core, soft porn, extra, whatever. But, oh, Pastor, I just saw it. I didn't, it didn't mean, hey, don't, don't, don't be hypocrite. Don't tell me it didn't mean anything to you. That's hypocrite. Yeah. Uh, you two, why do you behave like that? You are hypocrites. What do you mean it didn't mean anything to you? Say that you really didn't want it. Right. That's different. It meant something to you. Because if it didn't mean anything to you, you would be watch it. Yeah. You won't give it five minutes or a, a, a minute or five seconds. You just saw it when. It didn't really, it didn't catch your attention. Yes, yeah. when. All of us, when we see something, it catches our attention, but we choose not to. All right. But if you can't, it caught your attention, you kept, it stayed there, and you said, oh, it didn't mean it. I said, what are you watching? We are watching men or women wiggling their waist in a very sexualized way and licentious, sensual way and doing all kinds of things. And you are watching it, and you are saying, it didn't do anything to me. Why? At least now, now you are being too hypocritical. Hypocrisy doesn't hurt us, it hurts you. Because you, you choose not to face the facts. That's where falling starts from. God never hears the prayers of hypocrites. Because they are sick, they say, God, I'm very well. <laughs> God, I'm very well. Just admit, God, I'm sick, I really need help. Then we can, we can start from there. Pornography will pollute your spirit. Tell someone, porn will pollute your spirit. Are you interested in the point? What pornography does? Number six. Number six. It disturbs the health of your soul. Your soul is not okay. Your soul. It disturbs the health of your soul. That's when you begin to have emotional issues. Unnecessarily. You cry when you are not supposed to be crying. You get angry when you are not supposed to be angry. You become very intemperate. It's like, you're, you're, it's, yeah, that's the real. The word I rightly want, it destabilizes the equilibrium of your soul. So your soul is not at ease. You are disturbed. You are disturbed. So why, why would you, but you see, the whole thing is that you think, I like it. I like it. I like it. I like it. You may like it, but. It's affecting you. It's affecting you. Number seven. Is this six or seven? seven? Oh yeah, this is a very strong one. Anybody, before I give you the point, anybody who has been um, convicted of any sexual crime, 90 or more percent of the time, there is porn. There's always been some porn from it. Because do you know what it does? Why would you rape somebody? Why would you rape somebody? Why would you, this is even so sickly. It, it, I just can't feel comfortable saying it, but I just have. Why would you sleep with a child? Why? Why? It's so sickly. 
your mind, something's wrong. Why? All those people, when you investigate very carefully, you find out the point number seven. They, they, they dis, you dismantle your internal strength. So where you should be able to draw a line and say no, it's gone. You can't say no. You can't say no. Why is it that you are married? Sister, you are married, and yet you are sleeping with somebody else. Porn. Porn will first of all dismantle your ability to say no. He may not do it directly. FaceTime, and he's dancing on the phone for you. <laughs> yes, I'm telling you. Some of you, the things you are, you are doing with FaceTime, only God knows. Is it getting uncomfortable? I'm, I'm finishing, I'm finishing. I've gone beyond my time. I have nine points, last two points on pornography. At least let's clear this pornography thing. And then, in Job, Job 31 verse 1, it says that I've made a covenant with my eyes that I will not watch on a, a, a woman or a maiden. Job 31 verse 1. Let's already out. Let's go. Why should I think upon a maiden? Give us a new key, James. Let's read it. You know, I, I hope you all understand why I use the word young. Because the older you are, the more you lose your appealing grace. But that's how life is anyway. That's how life is. So he said, I make a covenant that I won't watch. I won't watch. I won't watch. Those of you who sit at the back there, sometimes the ladies, they are behind uh, depending on what they wear to church, it can be distracting you. But you have to make a covenant that me I won't watch. You have to make a covenant that am I am I preaching at all? That's why I don't understand the hypocr hypocrisy of some loose women. When you say it's the man's problem, what I wear is the man's problem. But you to be a bit responsible that through you, someone's problem will not be activated. This is how uh, Polynesia says that we are supposed to be advertising our spirituality. Now we advertise carnality. He says that why must it be through you? Somebody's is beginning, desire to sin has arisen. Sister, why must it be through you? And he says, oh, it's not me. The thing you are wearing, everyone's attention, hey, Hey, because your body is different. You know when you are living, you know it was displaying your bum very strongly. You know it. You know when you watch, no one can not watch when you pass. Don't give me that crap that anything I wear, somebody will be tempted. You are lying. You are irresponsible. You know what you are about. You are, you are lying. You are a liar. Jesus said temptations will come. Luke chapter 17 by verse 1. Temptation will come. But let's put it, put it on the screen. It is impossible that offenses should not come. But woe to him. To, give me King James. It's impossible. Okay. It's impossible, but that offense will come. But woe. let's see NIV. I, I think it's rather the NIV I'm looking for. The NIV. Things cause people to sin are bound to come. You see that? But woe to that person through whom they come. 
Why must you put yourself in the position of woe? Lady, God has blessed you with your body. Use it responsibly. Use it responsibly. Hey, now are you preaching dress code? I didn't say that. Because it can be the same dress. This person will wear it and it's okay. But you, the way your hips are, if you wear this dress, it, it is not nice. It's not, it's, it's, it's not peaceful. It's not peaceful. I can't, I can't, I, I just can't understand. You claim to be a serious Christian lady, but you just don't care what you wear. Those two are not compatible. They are not compatible. It's a reflection of what is actually in your heart. You are a soft pawn. Mobile soft pawn. <laughs> you know what? Many women here appreciate what I'm saying, and all the men actually appreciate what I'm saying. Because don't let us pretend. Can you imagine? Let's say he's a man. Please stand here. So let's say he's a woman, and he's wearing some powerful things. And then you see the pastor, me, I'm a pastor, anointed. And then he's standing there, maybe fixing something, and I'm, I'm doing like this, I'm looking at things. You understand that? You can't say that, oh, you know that something is working on me. And if you are my wife, you quickly stand there, woman, go, go away. <laughs> what, what, what are you looking at? What are, what are you looking at? Those of you who have chosen not to care or you don't care with what you wear, if you are married, may God use stronger ones to, to affect your husband. You think you, are, you think you are powerful? There are more powerful ones. They will be assigned to your husband. Right in your face. And there are some women here, when the husband dies, they don't even care. If that is the case, you know, there's a way sickness can take a lot of things out of people. Please be seated. You know, let's, let's, let's be fair. The way a woman dresses matters. It does. Outside of religious circles, it matters. You know, when Kate Middleton was married, she used to wear some stuff. Nowadays, she has changed. They have advised her. Because royalty doesn't dress like that, like, like a market person or somebody. Or like a, a street girl. It's just necessary. I think it's Proverbs chapter 7, verse 4, somewhere. It says that the, the attire of a harlot. Sometimes you ladies too, sometimes go to your other lady in a very decent way. That, Sister, I think what you are wearing is really... Make sure you have a good relation first so you don't become judgmental. Hey, what you are wearing is not good. Listen, just tell them. But some of you, you can't go and tell anybody because you yourself, you are class captain. Let me finish, let me finish. La, do you, are you interested in the last two points because my time is fireable? Should I, should I leave it and continue next week? Pornography. Pornography is, uh, okay, number eight, is it number? When you watch pornography, you become 
prone. So the next point is the danger. You become prone to all other evil activities. So it's not just sex. Now theft. Now lies. Some things will begin to, because you see, sexual immorality is deeper than any other immorality. So once that ability to handle that is gone, it's, you see, it's not a surface, so it's inside. So there are people working, they are internally dead when it comes to sexual control. How? Pornography. He has a way of entering and dismantling everything. So you are working wireless. You are not wired up. Everything is gone. You look very spiritual. Anytime you see a Christian brother, a Christian sister has been caught in repeated offense in sex, there must have been some kind of porn, either soft porn, hardcore porn, or some kind of things he's been watching. So those of you who are sitting on the front seats, some of you I know, I've, I've been warning you for a long time, but you are pretending. Yes, I know, but in my spirit, I know you do porn. I've been warning, some of you, some of you, your days are numbered. We will never take your, we will never find out from your computer. But the resultant effect, the products of your life, and it gets to a time, it gets so public because you couldn't stop the thing, you couldn't control it. So you kept doing it till one day. By the time. One day. One day. <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> And you don't know that what you have done is not the problem, but what has been destroyed. And sometimes it takes a long time to recover. Even if you get recovered, you cover from the internal dismantling. It's dangerous. So, Pastor, what should I do? How should I? Just stop it. But I'm addicted. Addiction, we can pray about it. We can pray about addiction. And it will work. But you have to take the responsibility that I'm not going down that line again. Other than that, Shame will make you stop. If you can stop by shame, you can stop by yourself too. <laughs> lastly, lastly, oh, I like this last point. It's the best of all the points. Pornography grieves the Holy Spirit. You grieve the Holy Spirit. You grieve the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. You grieve the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, oh, no. When we read, I'll pick it up from next week, in First Corinthians chapter 6, where it says that flee fornication. Now, that word flee, I think I wrote the Greek word, very interesting, which means um, somewhere there. That word flee is very important. It, uh, go. Yeah. Thank you, GC. Yeah. It's, wow, it sounds very funny. Fiogo, Fiogo. Fiogo. <laughs> Fiogo. Fiogo means run for safety. All right, so you are running, that, but that running is an act of going into safety. So when it says flee fornication, going away from fornication means you're actually entering into safety. Staying around fornication, it means that you are under attack. Flee fornication. That's the only way you can stay safe. What's wrong with fornication? Next week, I'll go further into it. How do I deal with pornographic addiction? Let's pray about it and then stay away from it. Listen, when you see someone watching porn, 
don't conclude the person is not a, a Christian. The person is a Christian. When you see someone in adultery, you see someone in fornication, don't, don't think the person is a Christian. But they have allowed themselves by not controlling themselves for the enemy to enter and attack them. And it has serious consequences. I pray that none of us from today will be victims of sexual immorality. I pray that you will not be a victim of sexual immorality. You will not be a victim of fornication. You will not be a victim of fornication. In the mighty name of Jesus, someone shout amen. amen. It's time for us to close. But I want to pray. We are about to close. But I don't want to end the service without giving somebody opportunity to say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to invite Jesus into my life. I want to start afresh. I want to live for God. I know God has been speaking to me, and I'm ready to live for him. Pastor, pray with me. Today marks the beginning of a new day, a turning round in my life. It's a turning point. You want to pray, say, Pastor, pray with me. I want to invite Jesus into my life and start a new life. In Christ and I've lived my own life and I want Jesus to have his way in my life if your two hands and let's say this after we say Lord Jesus I know I'm a sinner and I've sinned against you but I believe you died on the cross to wash me from my sins I invite you into my life to be my Lord and my Savior I rededicate my life to you I give my life to you that you will use me be my Lord use me I make a commitment that I'll work with you. I'll serve you. From today forward, I belong to you. In my spirit, in my soul, and in my body. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, I thank you for my precious friends. I pray for them that as they have made this decision, let your name be glorified in their lives. I rebuke the devourer on their behalf. I rebuke the enemy on their behalf. And I pray your blessing raining of blessings upon them. Help them to become pillars in your church and in this church. I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Congratulations. Thank you for listening. For more resources, please visit caris.org or call us on 0207-740-9960. God bless you.